Welcome back, everybody. I am very proud and very happy and very giddy, apparently, uh, to welcome to the program one of my friends, uh, somebody who is a wonderful producer, director, writer, uh, and actor, somebody who I had the pleasure of working with on his set, so now he is on mine. Welcome to the program, Will Adams. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's my sincere pleasure, and um, I, I really love the way you write. I love uh, your stuff. It, it's uh, it's an interesting way of looking at uh, ordinary and sometimes extraordinary situations. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited that uh, you were you had a chance to come by so I can uh, ask you a lot of the questions that I've been meaning to ask you, but uh, certainly not time to do that on set or when you're busy doing your usual thing, which is writing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> writing, writing is... Uh... It's not it's not a challenge for me. It's more of of I know I can do it and I don't I don't have you know, I never get writer's block. So I when I sit down and do it, I get frustrated when people interrupt me because my thoughts start pouring out and once they, they start pouring out, it's like um, if somebody interrupts that train of thought, now I have to have to stop and have to jump back into that same groove again because that first groove is different from the second groove. Now, if I lose all the work completely, which I've done before, I can rewrite it. But I and it might be better when I rewrite it the second time. But the first time, you know, I'm trying to get it out of my head. I, I'm with you. Uh, when I'm when I'm uh, you know doing my poetry, if I start doing it in the shower, uh, it all flows. It's great. And then I'm trying to remember the damn thing when I get into the, to my desk yeah. so I can write it down. And yeah. a lot of it's lost. So yeah. Yeah, I get it. And now I feel even worse because uh, I'm one of those people that probably interrupts your train of thought with my question. So sorry about that. No, you actually give good questions. Um, just jumping into flight right away. When you mm -hmm. asked me about the so you asked me first, you asked me about the character. You you asked me about the character. The character was playing. So yeah. I misunderstood and I thought you were asking me about the character you were playing. I was like, well, you got coming for audition. But no, I understand that. I'm talking about in the dialogue that you wrote. And I was like, oh. And then it just made me pour out everything that I knew about the same Pulp Fiction that I've never shared with anybody before. I know. And uh, <clears throat> I'm very thankful for that. And by the way, guys, what we're referencing is, uh, I don't know what the episode number of the second season of Flight that I'm on, but it's going to be coming out uh, in a few weeks. So uh, you'll be able to see what it does. Yes, it's eleven. Flight is episode eleven, and um, you executed that particular piece of work exactly how I envisioned it. Like I've never, for for me, this is the first time I've ever seen anybody really take my work and push it out word for word, verbatim, opposed to changing, you know, and ad libbing or whatever. But you killed it. I was like, wow. I said, I wrote some powerful stuff. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. It was it was a good scene, and thank you so much for saying that. I really do appreciate it. Um, it it kind of brings up my own uh, my own issues of uh, of being able to accept that I am a good actor and being able to accept praise. So thank you for uh, for you having me. Actor, right? yeah. You are a great actor. Thank you. I, thank I, you. I've seen some of your work before uh, before that, and I was like, wow, you know, and. And that's why I said I, I thought you would execute that particular part well. And then when you did it, 
everybody on set was like, wow, we were supposed to be acting like we were impressed, but we were impressed. That's that's very kind of you. And you did put pressure on me because when, when we were talking prior to it, you said, well, listen, if you if you do as good as I've seen you do on this one, I'm like, oh, great. All right, fine. Well, let's go. <laughs> no, that's that's very kind. Uh, but it was a, it was a really interesting uh, thing to play. I'm not going to give anything away, but you did mention that I was a character playing another character. So there were a couple of things from an acting perspective that I found very unique of you know being able to be in one character immediately snap into something else and then come right back so right. and those two guys are are a little different so it was it was a very interesting challenge but you you accepted the challenge and you conquered it thank you like it was uh, uh me and my partner we still talk about it we still talk like what my friend said what he hit me like wow and i was like yeah my mouth open like huh and the only problem was we had, we didn't have a camera shooting and catching our expression, which was supposed to be the the uh, thing. I was going to have another camera shooting yeah. us look, look like wow, but I forgot because you killed it so hard. No, oh, that's that's very kind of you. Is that that? Are we are you referencing Lawrence uh, at the moment? Yes, yes, Lawrence. Yes, yes. I'm I'm referencing Lawrence because we talked. Uh, we actually talked Tuesday, and when on Tuesday we talked about it, and he was like, yeah. Man, because I I told you about the remember I told you about the uh, the thing I was gonna write for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I was explaining to him about it, and then he was like, "Man, he he's dope. He's cold." I was like, "Man, he's had it. I I said I and I said it to you. I said it to him. I said I've never heard anybody put. I don't not even myself push out the the lines as I saw them when I wrote them. Wow. So. Um. Well, I'm I'm gonna take it as as uh, a little bit of luck and a little bit of talent. So that's just great talent. That's all I can say. Thank you. So let's let's actually jump into Lawrence for a second because uh, you confused the hell out of me and everybody else uh, with you changing names around. Uh, the the character that you're playing in Plight, uh, your name is Will, obviously. The character that you're playing, right. in, yeah. Now Lawrence, who is your writing partner, uh, he's playing the character of Will. So, Correct. you know, unless unless people know what's going on, they they're gonna get lost, and when they see you on set, start calling you by different names. So, well, were you doing this on purpose? What was the point there? So, plight was created, uh, probably, in, it was created in my head around 2014. So, okay. I, I made a movie called Sex Ain't Love. So, right. when I was making a movie called Sex Ain't Love, I was having all these difficulties on set when I was shooting. So what I would do is when I post something on Facebook, I would hashtag sex ain't love, hashtag plight of the independent filmmaker. Because I always say this is the plight of the independent filmmaker. Every time a problem arises, it was the plight of the independent filmmaker. And I mm -hmm. started thinking it would be cool to have a movie or a series that just exemplifies all of those different problems. And more than likely it's gonna be funny because right now it's not funny, but that, you know, later on, everything gets funny because uh, if you if you're able to see the episode episode four of season one of yeah. um, Plight with Casey in it, yeah, um, that episode happens. It's, it's that that actually happened in Sex and Love, but it, that episode is just an exaggerated version of. It. That's awesome. Very very exaggerated version of what happened in Sex and Love, <laughs> and um, yeah, so. 
when I say plight of independent filmmaker, it it's the plight of the independent filmmaker. You see all these different problems, and you you run into all, all these different issues, and it's just not it's not um, just on set, but it's personal life. Trying to figure out where you're going to shoot, trying to figure out who who's going to be in your next production, trying to release stress by hanging out, trying to you know. Uh, matter of fact, Jeff goes on a date in episode eleven of season one, and you know he thinks he's on a date, but that's not what the woman thinks. She thinks it's an audition. So you know everything gets confused because you you are on this road to try to make your dream bigger than they are, and yeah. you keep running into all these roadblocks. But see, I didn't want the I didn't want it to be a, a show where you see failure a lot. I want I want it to be failure, success, failure, success, failure, 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 success, success, success. That way, because uh, that's how life works. Uh, you know, it's I mean, regular sitcoms, if you think about Three's Company, Jack Tripper, he was going to succeed, but he failed and he ended up staying with Chrissy and Janet. So, yeah. you know, I wanted to do, I wanted, I wanted it to be different because, you know, you know, they say even a garbage can gets a steak every now and then. <laughs> That's true. I actually have not heard that one, but yes, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So uh, going going back to the name uh, thing, you know, did you and Will just decide to mess with people? Do you and Will? See, I'm doing that now. You and uh, uh, you and no. Lawrence to mess with people? Uh, no, no. So the, the reason why I named the characters that so Jeff, I I couldn't see Jeff being a George. So okay. I got a right hand. It works. On, that's worked on most of my productions with me named George, but I can't see Jeff being George. Right. So I, I just turned, Je I, I just made it Jeff instead of George. And I, Will is really basically my name, but I just switched the roles. And uh, the, the Will character is not like the George character, but a very exaggerated version of the George character. Okay. And Jeff is not like Will. Like, I wish I was like Jeff. Jeff gets it in. <laughs> he gets it in. You know, he 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 has his wins. He has losses, but he has a lot of wins and uh, some really nice wins. But you know, um, I felt like creating a character that's fun, uh, a little agitated, not laid back because he's always on the defense of trying to make sure his dream is moving forward yeah that's very cool and uh the whole again you know it's it's based on some things that have happened and some other things are exaggerated and some are not necessarily true so the whole shooting porn part was, was that exaggerated true where, where does that that was, that, that was that was a little bit exaggerated okay. so i'm gonna tell you episode uh was it episode three of season one yeah that was spot on episode mm -hmm. five of season one was spot on, spot on, and five is about Jeff going to uh, to a music producer that produces music mm -hmm. to get him to create a score for one of his pieces. So when this happens, he goes to talk to this guy about creating a score, and of course the guy he he's he's a music producer, but he's a, a rap music producer. So only thing he knows is beats. And Jeff said, "So do you know even know what a score is?" And he, yeah, I know what a score is. Yeah, you know what a score is? Yeah, yeah. but apparently he didn't. So let me jump into season one real quick. 
So my thought process about season one was I want I wanted plight the word plight to exemplify the entire project as far as the shooting, the lighting, the audio, uh, not the acting, but everything else. So everybody can understand the struggle of the plight. But then I got uh, I don't want to say backlash, but I, I got criticism on man couldn't hear it. I didn't like the way it was shot. So I tightened it up on season two on purpose. Mm-hmm. So it was shot that way. On, during season one on purpose because I wanted people to feel the pain and, uh, and the struggle of plight through everything, even through visual, but they didn't, a lot, some people didn't like it. So I upped it and made everything better on season yeah. two. Yep. I don't know if you saw season two. Season I one? didn't. Yeah, I, I know that uh, a couple, actually that's not true. I did see uh, the, the first episode of season two. I didn't see anything else after that yet. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to catch up. I saw episode 10 of season two. That's also true. Because I saw right. that one. Was, uh, Casey, uh, no, Casey was not there. Casey was the uh, director on that one. Right. right. Um, and, and a few uh, of my other people. David friends. and Randy were in it. Yeah. And uh, by the way, shout out to all, all of the all of our guys uh, watching, Casey, uh, David, and uh, and uh, uh, Randy. my good Randy. Randy. Thank you. Randy, Randy. Uh, I talked to him yesterday. Yeah, uh, he's he's gonna be on the show I think next week or the week after. Okay, cool. So very well. I called uh, him back because I I created, I was writing um, episode eleven, not episode twelve. So I started writing episode twelve, wrote the first scene, then Mm -hmm. I thought I pushed them into the next location. So then I I actually wrote David's and Randy's part together without even talking to them. So then I called them and I said, hey, got the part for you. They were like, oh, for sure. Yeah, thanks for considering me. I'm like, yeah, thanks for saying yes, because I wrote it around you. So then yeah. I forgot to call Randy, because I talked to David on Wednesday. So I called Randy yesterday, and Randy was like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll do it. I'm like, <laughs> I said, next time I should call before I actually start writing, because I wrote it, I wrote this, the, the scene out, it's a, a, a four page scene with both of them in it. And I didn't, I, I, when I wrote it, I'm like, it'd be perfect for it. And I said, now I just need to talk to him and ask him. But, you know, I, I'm just grateful that they said yes, I am. They're, I they're am. really good guys. And uh, again, going into the plight of the independent filmmaker, you know, you're going to write something, you may not get the actors for it. That's, that's right down the alley of what happens. Yes, yes, yes. Even though I worked with them before, and right. uh, I can tell you, episode ten was a very rough shoot. It was a, it was a rough shoot, and as you said, Casey was the director. I wasn't the shooter either. Somebody else was shooting. Uh, Chris was shooting. So yep. that day, I was an executive producer because I said, "Ah, oh, he's using that Gaffer's tape like he paid for it." <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, no, just no, that just ripping Gaffer's. I was a I was an executive producer, like uh. Uh, we've been here an hour. We need to go. Let's go. Let's get this shot. Come on. So I was not a director. I was not a, uh, a cameraman. I was not an actor. I was an executive producer. Let's get this going. Let's go. Come on. Yeah, yeah you got to wear all the hats. And uh, I think you have worn all the hats throughout your production. So uh... Yes, I have. I, I can tell you I've been an actor. Yep. I've been camera. Mm-hmm. I've been lighting. I'm always lighting. <laughs> I've been audio. Um, I've been. Ga- I've always been gaffer. 
I've been crew to break the bring the equipment in and set it up. I've been a crew to break it down. I've been casting director. I've been a producer. I've been exec. I've always been executive producer. Yeah. Uh, caterer. So I've been everything. Yeah. So um, if you let's say, and again, I know you love doing your stuff, but let's say somebody calls you for an opportunity and says, "Okay, I have a big production coming up. Pick a role." You know, you can do anything you want. What would be the role that you would pick? Probably direct. Okay. I would direct if they let me see the script first, you know, because, I, okay. I, of course, I want to I visualize, make sure I'm able to do it. But directing, I love directing. I love getting people to see things through the way I see them. Because, yeah. you know, if you watch television now, every, everybody, it's just, the same thing over and over and over and over again where um there are no surprises and talking to my let my 13 year old daughter uh we were talking i can't remember what movie we're talking about and she was like i don't really want to see that and i was like why you know i kind of wanted to see the movie and i can't remember which movie it was because i didn't go see it but um she said because you can tell what's going to happen at the end i said I said, I don't want to be that filmmaker. I don't want to be the filmmaker that puts something out and ends like, oh, yeah, I know what's going to happen at the end. Uh, they're going to blow up the big old ship. And, you know, so I, 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 this, the element of surprise is the best thing because when people are surprised, they remember. When people can guess what's going to happen throughout the whole production or throughout the whole film, they tend to forget how much they liked it they tend to forget how good the actors were they just say yeah i knew it was gonna happen i get and if i'm sitting there watching a show or watching a movie and i can basically guess what's going to happen next the first three times i do it i stop watching because it's not it's not worth my time i know how it's going to end without even knowing the ending so you know i when but when she when she said that she said that actually last year and it's it, it has changed the way i, I view things because at first, I, you know, you have one character that he's mad about something. All right, now this character, they get into it. And now, okay, they're going to they gonna make up at the end. No, they don't make up. You know, they stay a little mad. Let's, let's, see them, let's see them work this out, and which is part of episode one in flight. So, yep. you know, the situation that happened at the end of, because that's, that's, that's uh, an extension of what happened in flight um, in the first season. In, the, mm-hmm. in flight in the first season, you see this whole situation come in front of everybody because every the viewers know what's going on. Only person that doesn't know what's going on is Jeff. So since Jeff doesn't know what's going on, he finds out. Now we come back. I want to address it. So when we address it, you know, it's like, okay, well, I I I know what's happening, but I'm not your friend. I'm still not your friend. And right. then it takes a, a situation that happens between both of them where they both reconnect in a certain way where it makes it comfortable to understand, all right, well, this is happening, but it's not worth losing our friendship over. Yeah. And that's what I like about your writing. Again, it's, uh, you know, in the episode that I'm in, uh, episode 11, it's not uh, straightforward. You're playing with different concepts and you're, you're kind of juxtapositioning uh, a number of uh, things. So you don't know where it's going to go. And uh, I, you know, the part that you were writing, uh, as, as you mentioned for me, thank you again, uh, mm-hmm. it's great. And it's not shying away 
from uh, from complexity and it's not just uh, straightforward it uh, it deals with things and it deals with reality and i really like that yeah. about and i was thinking the same thing this is dealing with the reality of the situation yeah. at hand because yeah. everything is a situation so when you think about dealing with the situation at hand the way t the television land every happy ending but that's not how life works you know you lose five hundred dollars you just lost five hundred dollars you don't right. find five hundred dollars it's just gone you know you might have get an opportunity where you can find five hundred dollars worth of food but that five hundred dollars that you're gonna buy some buy something specific with is gone so yeah. you know hey reality is uh people need that and the reason why people need it because it's an escape because they feel they see things all every day that's that they can't change and they need to feel like people understand and connect with what's going on with them because they say wow i don't i'm not part of the show or i'm not this character but i understand what he's going through yeah i understand what they see i understand what they feel so that's yeah. the 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 focus of life i guess i agree with you and again the the mark of the best shows that i've watched is their unpredictability of it, is their willingness to deal with the complexity and not shy away from, uh, from difficulty and allow people to go on a ride thinking they know where they're going and saying, no, they wouldn't do that because that's, that's just uh, hard to do, then it wouldn't be popular and they do it anyway. And that's, yeah. that's the part that I really enjoy. And then you're like, okay, uh, I didn't expect that to happen. Yeah. All right. <laughs> when, when stuff like that, I'm like, wow, that's like that's a, that was a great movie. You know, like, whoa. Um, speaking of, I can tell you, uh, Lovecraft uh, Country. Okay. Um, it's a it's a show that just started, and it starts off slow, mm -hmm. and it just once it kicks in, once it once once it kicks in gear. All you see is the tires treading on the street. You're like, whoa, hold on. I, I, how? Okay. You know, and those are great shows. Those are great shows. Uh, yeah. A long time ago, I saw Dust of Dawn, and I did not know what it was about. Did you ever see Dust of Dawn? Nope. It's a Quint, it's Quint Tarantino, uh, George Clooney. Oh, Dust of Dawn. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, so I, I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know what it was about. I just went to the movies with friends. And you know, I'm watching it and get halfway through. I'm like, because oh, I don't want to give it away for anybody who hasn't seen it because it's a really yeah. good movie. But it's a really good movie. I was like, how do I don't remember even turning down this block to get to this street? How do we get here? Yep. So, you know, it was just it was a cool thing to see. It wasn't even a transition, it was I'd say that was a cut. <laughs> that wasn't yeah. a transition, it was just a cut. It wasn't a dissolve, it was nothing but a cut, like from day to night and here we are i was like oh okay and it's one of my favorites yeah um quentin is is something else yeah uh, I'm not a horror fan, but, you know, huh? i said i'm not a horror fan but that movie right there was like wow you know because and i think that, that that particular film is one of the things that i always try to when i when i'm writing i try to keep you driving 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 and you driving down the street it's like man we're doing a comfortable 30 miles per hour and then you hit a right turn real hard and now we at 107 you're like how do we do you yeah. know 
I don't and, and but you understand how we did it, but you can't believe we did it. Yeah. No, it's and it's that's, that's the focus and that's the that's that's how I like writing. Yeah, and uh Quentin again, I I'm don't want to misquote him, but from what I understand, he said in terms of the beginning of the movie, uh for him, uh Django Unchained is is not Django, excuse me. Although Django beginning was awesome as well. Uh it was Inglorious Bastards. The beginning of that movie, I think that's uh, that's his uh, finest and kind of where he really gets to play and do what he wants to do. So. Yeah, um, I was listening to an interview with him in it, and one of the things he ha- now, I, I never say I'm inspired by anybody because when I write, I write from my heart and I write what's up here. So I yeah. never, I never say, well, I saw uh, Quentin Tarantino do this, or I saw Steven Spielberg do this. I never say that. Because what I write is what I write. But listen to his interview, and he said that you know when he was younger, he wanted to be an actor. Yeah. So now, when I was younger, I wanted to be a I wanted to be a cameraman. I always like to mess with the camera, so I was going to be a cameraman. So listen, and going forward his act with his uh his interview, fast forwarding anyway, he said that when he was on set, he learned that the actor, you know, they it can be in a movie, and people are like, oh that's a terrible actor, or oh, that actor did horrible, but it's really the director who actually says, all right, take it. All right, cut. And the director is really the hero of the film. And I kind of taken that, that stance on everything where I want to, that's, that's why when you ask me what, what, what would I want to do? Direct, I want to be the hero. I want to say, all right, well, that, that guy made that movie great. Even if they say that the actors did really well, it's because of me. Because I said that was a good take. That was a bad take. Uh, that was okay take, but for the most part, I wanted to be the hero of the, the, the production because I get a chance to say, "All right, I don't, I don't have to be the person on sidelines and say, oh, that was that was really bad.' No, let's do it again this time. Put a little bit more emotion in it. Uh, <laughs> scream, if you will, you know, things like that. So that, I, I, that interview was a really good. Interview. I, I agree with that. Uh, and I think what you hear from actors all the time is that, oh my God, I love working with this director and uh, this director was excellent and I felt really safe and they allowed me to play and they allowed me to really you know, get into it. So a director plays a huge and integral part in the actor's success in any film, uh, well, film or anything on screen, absolutely. Um, so. Let's uh, let's back up a little bit. I want to know again. You you mentioned that you wanted to be a cameraman, but uh, you went to Colombia, and right. uh, what led you to Colombia? At what point did you know that hey, this is something that I want to pursue? I was in high school, and um, actually before high school, uh, I don't remember. I don't know if you had you had HBO back in the day, but my grandparents did, and. Um, they had HBO behind the scenes. They would come on at 11 o'clock on Saturdays, and I would, everybody would go to sleep. And I and I was I would watch the previous HBO behind the scenes 11 o'clock. I was like, I'm tired, but I'm gonna stay up and watch. And I would watch the behind the scenes where uh, directors are communicating with actors, how the cameras are getting their shots. I mean, cameramen are getting their shots, which I, I didn't know it was cinematographers in, but I, I would watch all of that. Watch the the gaffers and the grips help put the production together. And I was just in awe of that. So when I watched it, I was like, wow, because I, I felt like that was totally out of my reach. I would never ever be able to, to figure out how to get there. And one day I was in high school, 
uh, it was at the end of the year for freshman year, um, television teacher came into the classroom by the name of Joan Bourdain. And when she came in the classroom, she pushed big box TV inside the classroom. And I'm sitting and I'm, I'm just hating school because I'm a freshman in high school, really don't know anybody. Uh, I was just like, ugh. So she, she explains who she is, which I didn't hear anything. And then she said, all right, well, I'm about to turn the TV on. I said, oh, let's watch whatever boring history channel thing she got going on. She turned it on and it was like, it was a music video. And the music video showed all these different cuts, these different people doing dances. And it was just, it was just something I've never seen. It's something I've seen before on television. I'm like, oh, I was like, man, I wonder what group that is. So then she brought these students in and said, these guys did this move, this video. And I'm like, wow. Seems like, well, so next year, sophomore year, you can sign up. And I just stood up. I want to sign up now. They said, please sit down, Mr. Adams. <laughs> next year, you can sign up for this class. And I'll be glad to take you if you're interested in television production. And that's how I got into it. And then she showed. I think it was more so the framing of shots that kept me involved, like um, the head, his headroom, center frame, uh, leeway, um, making sure um, medium. A lot of people don't know what a medium shot is. They cut people off at the knees. She always said, that's uncomfortable. The viewer gets mad when you just see people's knees. Um, so I always make sure they cut off at the waist. If I'm showing yeah. anything past the waist, I show their feet. So those things stuck with me for, forever. Side. And to this day, I still tell, you know, I, I, I work with this one girl. She said, uh, next time, don't cut me off at the waist. I'm like, well, I have to because yeah. aesthetically, that's how you're supposed to make a medium shot. He's like, yeah. now cut me off at the knee. I said, I understand what you want to show, but I'll make, a, I, I can cut you off at the feet and make, but I, it's too wide. I said, I can't do anything but what aesthetically talk to me. I can't. I, I I know I can break the rules because I know them, but I don't want to break the rules because what you're trying to make me break the rules for doesn't make sense. Right. So that it started there, and then um, when I went to Columbia, I learned more, and I I think um, I learned when I learned when I when I actually got a chance to direct, I kind of dipped my toe into it. I was still stuck on being camera. I was, I love the camera. I love shooting. I love being able to show people what I see through the lens. And um, I think I worked on a set of a movie. I can't remember what movie it was. It was some, it was some bu big budget movie that was shot in Chicago. I was a grip, and I saw this guy. He was on, uh, uh, he was on this camera rig that was on the track, and it was, and it was automatic, and it was rolling. I was like, wow, I wonder how you get that job. I'm like, Ooh. So then I got a call from the same guy that was shooting that particular film. And when he called me, he said, hey, uh, can you work on this production with me? I was like, oh, for sure, I, I'll work on production with you because I guess I'll be a grip again because, you know, I know you're going to have this old big production crew. I mean, it was, it was a lot of people on this, on this crew. So I got to this little small house. He had these uh, PVC pipe, long PVC pipes on the floor mm -hmm. and some rig that he built as a track himself. It was a track that he built. And wow. He used it to move it. It was just for a simple tracking shot going forward. That was it. It wasn't for anything else. It was for a simple tracking shot. I was like, that was it. I said, he doing this. I can write my own stuff. 
So because mm-hmm. I, I found out I knew how to write when I got to college. So I started writing my own stuff. And when I started writing my own stuff, people, they wanted to be a part of the production because they felt like it was a good script, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. then it's kind of hard because, you know, actors, a lot of, and I, not to take anything away from actors, but a lot of them want to work. They really, really want to work. So a lot of them, they'll be in some trash just to, you know, put something on a resume. And I, I, I surely, I, I, I disagree with it because whatever you eat is going, it's, it's going to show your body of work. That's how I look at it. And yeah. so if you eat trash, you gonna your body of work will be trash. And you want to be, you want to put yourself in good pieces that showcase your talent. And, you know, I, I try to tell everybody I work with, make sure you pay attention to who you're with because, you know, what you put out there is going to be forever. And, you know, if, if you, even if, this, if the, if the production is bad and you have a good scene, you, know, you can always showcase your scene. But if the show, your scene is bad, just leave it. It's not worth putting it together. I agree. I know I said a lot. Yeah, from the actor's perspective, uh, you know, most of us, when we start out, we start out with student films. I've done a bunch of stuff for Columbia as well. Uh, those were actually really good productions. So student films. That's probably because you were part of it. Huh? That's probably because you were part of it. Well, uh, no, it was it was a good scripts, good uh, good productions. Some weren't, but uh, for the most part, they were, and they were uh, good people. And actually, I think the biggest production that I was uh, in was done by Columbia MFA uh, program, and you know they had a huge crew of I think. 30 plus people just uh, on the crew side and they had uh, great locations. It was a time uh, kind of period piece, which we're still waiting to come out. Uh, so Columbia, Columbia is, uh, is good, but a lot of the times you kind of, you want to build up your resume so much. And that's, uh, that's the first thing that you get a chance to do is student films. So you take and take and take and take until you figure out, okay, yeah, that was crap. I, I don't want to do that again. So they, they yeah, start well. off. Yeah. I had a chance to talk to the students um, probably three years. Actually, in 2014, I had a chance to talk to the students in 2017. And mm-hmm. this was on the heels of two of my films that were getting ready to go to theater. So um, I told the students, because this is what they didn't tell us when we were there. Mm-hmm. Since I was a cameraman, I love shooting. I should have linked up with a writer, linked yeah. up with a director. Uh, and linked up with all types of crew that's around the school and create our production. That way, when we leave, we have a body of work that's uh, that's good enough to say, this is my resume tape. And I, I, I tried to preach that to them, but they were, you know, it was somebody that was much bigger than me in the room at that time. And they want to know, well, how can we become a writer? And, and I'm, the best way to become a, and the problem with, the problem with script writing is, a lot of times it doesn't translate good on page. On page, you know, he's like, "Oh, I, I can't see that working." And then when you see on the screen, this is exactly what you described on on page. Exactly, you have to give it a chance. But if you're in school, you can actually grab another student that's a you know he's a good cameraman. You know this person's a good editor. You know this person's a good director, and you can do the same thing that anybody else would do and put this stuff together. And everybody in that crew will have a body at work. The director will have a body, he'll have a piece. The editor will have something that's edited really great. The cameraman will have something that's shot. And the writer will have a piece say, all right, well, here's my script that I wrote when I was in college. And here's what it looked like after we shot it. And they're like, wow, you went to production. Yeah. 
and that's how Columbia should work because Columbia does have classes. They have writing classes. They have lighting classes. They have uh, camera classes. They have directing classes, but they don't make the classes work and coexist together. You know, the, 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 the teacher should teach the classes up to the middle semester and then say, hey, now we're going to integrate with these other classes and you got to work together. You have to build your own crew. You have to create your own production, and that's your final project. Opposed to you having a, a person who writes and saying, "All right, well, write your script, write your script," and now you got pages and pages stacked to the ceiling of nothing. Now you got an editor that just said, "I, I really don't know how to shoot. Uh, let me figure out. Let me just take a whole bunch of clips with my phone and then cut them together." You got a cameraman that don't know how to edit and says, "Let me just shoot a whole bunch of stuff and, and then uh, just." dissolve them all together so you know you, you make them you, you make these students work together so they can become bigger in the future yeah. absolutely because again everybody grows together and that's the whole point uh doors are opening for somebody at some point in time if you're working with the right people and you know that each other is good then it, everybody kind of pulls uh each other up that's that's how our industry is made it's all on these connections that you grow together on Yes. Yeah. So. No, but that's. Go ahead. I'm but, sorry. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, it 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 was just. I love Columbia. I love Columbia College. I love it with all my heart. The things that I know, I wouldn't know without Columbia College. Right. But I think they fall short with that particular thing with not, uh, giving people the opportunity to grow yeah. together, because you everybody grow apart. They say have a resume tape when you leave. But if you're growing apart and you have you have all this talent that's all around the school that could work together, they could be bigger than everybody and you can be pumping out. Columbia can be a machine to pump out talent throughout. And then, you know, the students will be coming back, throwing money back at the school saying we want more people like us to come back, come mm -hmm. into come into the real world. So um, I, I was a television major. Let's go back to Columbia. I was a television major. Graduated uh, TV production, no, TV post-production, everything about post-production, everything about production, I know. But then I hate TV. <laughs> I hate TV. I like, um, because back then, TV was about we're in the front room. That's it. We're in the front room of the kitchen. That's it. We're in the front room, kitchen, or bedroom. That's it. We're in the front room, kitchen, or maybe a doctor's office. That's it. But a movie, it takes you from the front room to the bedroom to the ocean to yeah. space every i mean so it it for me film was more of an expanded uh expands expands your i was almost say exaggeration but expands your imagination and being able to have your imagination go from zero to three thousand in six seconds television i felt like your imagination was like from zero to ten and mm -hmm. being able to Say, all right, I'm about to step out the door, and then you step into another dimension. That's movies. Television, you can do it, but then you don't have enough time to explain it because commercial breaks come. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, now, now it's a little different with streaming and with other, uh, you know, services that actually go there and allow you to do that. But I, I understand. I, I totally get it. Um, okay, so. In terms of you being an independent uh, filmmaker, because everything takes money, and uh, you're one of the few people that actually pays these actors money, which which actors really appreciate. 
it's nobody's going to see it anyway. Uh, so, what uh, from your perspective, right? I mean, uh, do you have a quote-unquote regular job that funds uh, these endeavors for you, or is this a full-time uh, thing that earns enough money for you to continue doing it? Well, I I do have a full-time job, but I also do I have sad things that I do. Uh, uh, like a, a notary signing agent, um, and also I my, remember I told you about the movies that I have on. Well, I can tell you I have movies on Amazon Prime, and thing with streaming, as you mentioned just now, streaming is the wave of the future. Right. Because with streaming, every time somebody watches the film, I get money. But if you say, for instance, you buy Sex and Love as a DVD, it's ten dollars on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And you can watch it 101 times, and I get nothing but that $10. True. But Amazon Prime, you watch it 110 times, I'm still getting paid every time you watch it. And if you tell your friends to go on and watch it too, I'm still getting paid. So streaming, can, it, it actually helps fund the project. That's very nice. And thankfully. It, now, it really helps. I have quite a few things on Amazon Prime. Does does that work the same? Because again, on Amazon Prime, I can rent it or I can buy it. So I'm assuming that if somebody it, buys it, you can, buy it. you can rent it, buy it, or stream it. Now, if, who's going to rent a movie a hundred times? Nobody. But you right. might watch a movie over and over and over and over again if you can get it on Prime. Prime is different. Prime, and yeah. Yeah, a lot of people they run they they run ahead first into Netflix. And unless Netflix is giving you millions of dollars for your production, it's really not worth it because mm -hmm. Netflix says we're going to give you X amount of money to hold your movie and show it for two years. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Mm -hmm. You don't get nothing. People can say, I saw your movie. A hundred thousand people can walk up to you and say, I saw your movie. And whatever Netflix gave you for that movie at that particular time is what you get. You don't get nothing extra mm -hmm. on Amazon Prime. On the other hand, a hundred thousand people can stream your movie and you still get paid or oh, amazon get their cut but you also get your cut which is pretty cool and pretty mm -hmm. uh, a nice way to stay afloat yeah okay thank you uh, i i appreciate you uh, kind of elaborating on that a little bit because it's all reality of our business and i want to make sure that people understand that um, yeah, well, people don't understand that they because every see at first netflix when netflix was created well when it came into existence Everybody was like, oh, it's for the independent filmmaker. They really care about us. And once Netflix got their hand in into the pot of uh, mainstream, it was like, oh, uh, well, instead of, before you talk to me, you need to talk to somebody in between. You need to talk to a third party before you talk to me. Yeah. Like, wait, third party, but I thought you was cool. I'm still cool with you. I'll still give you that. But before you come and holler at me about your movie or anything you're doing, make sure you talk to a third party. And then, matter of fact, you probably gonna have to pay that third party to talk to me, really? And they might not even give you any money. They might not even they not, might not even let you talk to me, really. So, but I'm gonna tell you this: you won't have to give them the whole money. They give you most of your money back, but keep a little money for just showing me your move. I'm like, where am I winning here? <laughs> I'm not winning. For Amazon, they say make sure everything's the right right uh, aspect ratio. Make sure you have captions. Uh, make sure you have your right art. You put your movie out. You can promote as much as you want, and people stream and they watch and mm -hmm. they watch and they watch. And then Amazon is connected with IMDb, 
So a lot of times when you go to IMDb and look trying to say, I wonder where this movie is. Oh, it's on it's on it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, right there. So, but Netflix, they give you, they may give you ten thousand dollars, they may give you ten million dollars, but if you're getting anywhere in the five figure range, it's not worth it because at at the end of the day, they'll they'll stream your movie more than ten thousand dollars worth of time. That's how I feel. And you won't use have that ten thousand dollars and just be sitting on. And what about other platforms like Hulu or uh, you know who else is out there? It might be now it's Apple uh, Apple TV. Now everybody kind of has they their all, own. They all work the same. They all work the same. Apple T see Apple for music is different than Apple TV. So they they lease your movie just like Netflix do. It's it's a, it's a better business for them because if they can lease your movie. For two years and they play as much as they want that's that's golden it's like you know you're getting you're getting rights to somebody's work and being able to show your viewers as much as you want to show them why that person can stand up and say hey my stuff on hbo but you're not getting paid you're not getting anything you already got paid so you know hbo has a subscriptions where people are paying them constantly constantly because when you do the numbers and you say oh how many subscribers do netflix yeah. have they say 150 million and then you say, how much is a Netflix account? Twelve dollars a month. So then you do the math. Twelve dollars times one hundred and fifty million. Yeah. They only gave me ten thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, yeah. my math is off. <laughs> so you, and you look at the subscribers for um, Amazon Prime, and it's one hundred and four million, and you you're, you're streaming back and forth and. It depends on how many people you reach with your streaming. Like if I'm able to trans translate my uh, some of my work into Japanese, German, I can get more money. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's um I, I guess people you know they they look at it as if you, when you're on Netflix you made it. Really no. <laughs> no. When when you're on any platform you made it. So yeah. you can, you made it when you're on Netflix, you made it when you're on Amazon, you made it when you're on YouTube, because that means your work is out there for people to see, opposed to just being on a, as somebody told me, the cutting room floor, but we don't use that term anymore. I'd say on somebody's heart or on somebody's memory card or hard drive, sitting yep. on their computer. That's the worst place to be. Yeah, never get seen, absolutely. Yeah. So what's next for you? I, I know that uh, you're doing Plight, what's, uh, what's coming up? And uh, then, what's the big dream? Uh, where are you going towards? Um, well, Plight is running towards this same Pulp Fiction. Mm -hmm. But what's funny about that is, after seeing you perform live, I wrote, I'm about to I'm about to write this crazy piece with you in it. It's true. And you know, um, I'm, I'm gonna give a little bit of the plot away. Uh, you know you have a friend that you need to take care of and we just go we just take it that far but um you know i write the way the my, i i have all these ideas in my head and i can i can write on a dime it doesn't matter what if somebody called me and said i well i need you to write the the, the thing that you were talking about with alan uh the, the thing about alan and having to take care of his friend i can write it today i can write it and be finished with it sometime by probably Saturday evening. I can write it 
and I don't have to go back and say, oh, I need to change it or rewrite. I, it's, it'll be finished. It might have typos, but it will be finished because I, I don't really write. I don't write for myself. I write for an audience. And mm-hmm. I, I write for what I, I, I feel like, not, not what I think, but what I feel like the audience would like and deserve. So the piece I'm talking about, that's what's really next. And play the independent filmmaker, the movie is after that. And then hopefully this same pole fiction will be following that. Very cool. And <clears throat> what's the big, uh, big dream? <sighs> My own plane. <laughs> Sure. My all plane. That's it. And the thing is, when when I say something like that, it's like that's very materialistic. When you think about all the things you have to do and accomplish to get to your own plane, right? It's not materialistic at all. It's just one extra thing that I would have that I'm able to keep and maintain by myself. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, I you certainly... know what? I take that back. One yeah. of the biggest dreams is to be able now. This is after all the fame and everybody knows me. I want to be able to help somebody who don't, who do not know who I am, who absolutely knows nothing about me, knows no background on me. I want to help some, one person, like at least one person in my lifetime. Like that. Yeah, no, that's 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 great. Um, I hope you do that. I hope you get uh, planes, uh, trains, and on automobiles. <laughs> but uh, I, I again, it's. You know the fact that the fact that you brought me for uh, for one of your projects and the fact that uh, you're kind enough to write something else uh, doesn't change uh, kind of what I felt about you before that all happened, which I thought you were very creative, uh, very imaginative in the way that you're doing things, and I appreciated what you do from afar. Now I'm uh, kind of a part of it, and uh, it makes me feel really well, uh, really good to be a part. Of it. It, it touches me that you said that, and I appreciate you actually coming out and saying that. A lot of people wouldn't say it at all, and what? that makes me feel like I'm actually doing something right. You are, you are, and uh, I again, <clears throat> full full disclosure, just so people don't think that uh, I'm doing this for money. The money that I got paid from Will by by doing that episode, I paid a lot more out of it because I actually punctured my tire while I was while I was driving to you. So I ended up having to change my tires after that. This is not uh, trying to make you feel uncomfortable. I'm just saying that what I'm saying has nothing to do with money. What I'm saying is because I actually like the process. I like the writing. I like the idea. And for me, that's what makes it fun and interesting and want me to do more. I appreciate it. And hopefully when you do this next project, I can get a car to pick you up so you don't have to worry about any car trouble. No, well, listen, it depends on where it is, right? Because I have a little bit of a drive from the last location that we were shooting. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I'll try to make everything close to your house. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Hey, that, that's, that's a win for me. Right. Well, thank you so much, Will. I really appreciate it. And thanks to everybody for, uh, for tuning in. We know you love acting as much as we do, and that's why we do this. Take care.